of our campuses to week two of our new series entitled If Only. And I specifically want to welcome this week as well, uh, Calvary Chapel, Bay St. Louis is joining us, all the men and women at the Orleans Justice Center and St. Tammany Parish Jail. Come on, can we just welcome all those that are with us? Man, we're excited to have you guys. I am super fired up about this series. We are looking at, over the next six weeks, we're looking at this topic of regret. You know, when I came into last year, uh, the very beginning of the year in January, really praying about uh, what we wanted to do in our community series. If you're a guest here, and by the way, if you are a guest, we've been preparing for you. And, and I really mean that. It's, it's like uh, everything that we do, uh, we try to intentionally make this feel like a welcoming environment for you. We know there's a lot of you uh, that are visiting your guests because family and friends have invited you during this series, and, and we've really thought about you in mind. This specific topic, the reason why it's so important is so many people get hung up with regrets. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. Really, two questions we're asking in this series. Number one is this, how do we get past our past? In other words, we don't want to, you know, in January, people start writing out their goals and vision boards and all that stuff is so awesome. What happens is we start running towards our future, but we're often tethered to our past. Why? Because of past regrets. I could have done this. I should have done this. I would have done this if I only had another shot. So the emotional energy often it takes to listen try to deal with unresolved issues in our past, keep us from moving confidently into our future. Number two, second question, how do we get to the end of our lives and not be filled with regret? I don't think that we can be regret-free because we're not perfect, only Jesus was. But I do believe that we can reduce regrets. I believe that we can start living intentionally today according to God's word and we can, quote, get to the end of our lives Maybe not regret-free, but definitely with a reduced amount of regret. Why? Because we've lived life differently, according to God's Word. So I want to give you the definition again of regret. Again, this was here last week, and I just want to rehearse just for a moment. What is regret? Regret is a sense of loss and disappointment related to past decisions and actions. Now, I want to add to that. Regret is often categorized by, by decisions we made in the past, or secondly, decisions that we didn't make in the past. Boy, I wish I would have wrote that letter. I wish I would have done that, but I didn't do it. I wish I would have taken advantage of that opportunity, but I didn't. So regret is twofold. Number one, the decision we did make or the decisions that we didn't make. That we now consider, man, boy, I blew it on that. Regret becomes such an emotional lock. It's such a blockage a blockade in our soul because, because we, 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 our mind thinks about it. We feel it on the inside. Regret. Now, I want you guys to think about this. Let's just say you're at your 80th birthday party and you've got family and friends there and they've come with things that they've written about you. And you look out there and you see people that you love. And you look out there and you see both family members and friends. And they've all got on a sheet of paper something that's going to be said about you. Nice things, right? The contributions that you made, the character that you have. Here's my question, all right? You've got the scene. Here's my question. Who would not be there because of an unresolved relational issue 
that you may have had with that. What do you think about that? Who should be there, but's not there because 10 years before, 20 years before, 30 years, maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a friend. And they're not there because, listen, because, because you didn't resolve that issue. With that backdrop, I want you to think about it today because here's what I want to do. I want all of us to get to that moment, all right, to get to that moment to the best of our ability by the grace of God, and that room is filled with all the people that we love. And there's no one that didn't come because they had a problem with you, or there's no one that didn't come because you had a problem with them. I want to talk to you today, I want to talk to you today about regret related to this particular topic about unforgiveness and bitterness. How much unforgiveness and bitterness impacts our lives. Now, I want to say a couple of statements. There is no pain like family pain. Matter of fact, relationships, and particularly in family relationships, and I would consider family relationships, your immediate family, extended, and then your close friends where you have a, a deep connection. There's no, there's, there is no pain nor any pleasure outside of the reality of being close to people. Pleasure. Oh, it's wonderful. Man, I was with my friends. I was with my family. We, we did. So relationships have the ability to produce tremendous pleasure but also tremendous pain. Let me give you an example. You're outside in your front yard, and somebody passes by in a car. Watch how this works. And they roll down the window, and they say some profane thing to you about you, whether they use your name or not, and they just, they just curse you, and they drive off. Okay, you, as a rational human being, you're going to go, wow, what's up with them? They've got some issues. You don't know them at all. Okay, you're like, sheesh. And they got up on the wrong side of the bed. Are y'all with me? Okay, now watch this. Let's move it in closer. Somebody that you know that's a neighbor, you don't have, like, close intimacy with them, but, but, but you know them. You, 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 I mean, you're friendly with them. They come by, and they yell something profane about you. Now it moves from... What's wrong with them to what's wrong? Let me move it in closer. A child, a spouse, a dear friend of 20, 30 years, they drive by, they yell something at you, they curse you. It moves from what's wrong with them to what's wrong to what's wrong with me. Did you see how that happened? And that's why relationships have the greatest opportunity to produce pleasure in our life, but they also have an opportunity to produce pain. So painful. And that's why this topic is, is so critical, because we don't want to get to the end of our lives. I don't want to get to the end of my life where I regret. Regret what? Regret that I didn't roll up my sleeves by the grace of God and by the power of God and try to resolve these things and make sure that I didn't have bitterness in my heart. Bitterness unforgiveness. Wow. Man, you talk about having regrets. I want you to consider this for a moment. There's a knock at the door, and you look out, and you see it's a UPS person, and they've got a clipboard in their hands. And you open the door, and you say, oh, how are you doing? And, and they say, listen, I need you to sign for this particular package. And you ask them, 
what's in the package? It's a rather big box. And they say, and they say, it's interesting, but it marks on here, rattlesnakes. You shake the box and you hear, okay, if you're a rational human being, okay, here's what you're going to do. You're going to mark it return to sender. Are y'all with me? I mean, nobody's going to take in their house rattlesnakes. If we wouldn't take rattlesnakes in our house, why did we take unforgiveness and bitterness into our house? I'll go as far as to say you can isolate the rattlesnakes. You can't isolate unforgiveness and bitterness. It affects your thought process. It affects your feelings. It, by the way, it affects everybody around you. Trust me, when somebody's bitter, we know. It colors your conversation. It colors, your, it colors every part of your life. Why would we allow that? It's interesting. You guys, we all just went through the holidays. Question. Who didn't come to a party because of an unresolved issue with somebody? I'm asking you that. Who did you not invite because of, well, you know what I'm talking about? Who, who, who did you buy a present for, but you had to do it by faith? Because you know that you feel in that relationship it's not reciprocal, and it was actually painful to do that. Relationship pain is huge pain. Family pain. You guys have been seeing what's going on even nationally. I have no com or internationally. I have no comments on it other than you know that it's got to be painful in England what's going on with Harry and the, 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 the Prince Harry and his wife and the Queen and all. I mean, you know that's painful. You know that's painful. Now, we see that because they have a global platform and, and a stage, but, but, but you can multiply that over thousands and millions of times in homes and families all over our country and all over the world that don't share that stage. Why? Because it's family pain, and family pain is painful. It's, 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 it's so, it's, it's, it's family pain and, and, and friendship pain at a deep level when you've been friends with somebody for a long time, and it changes. Now, here's the question. The question is, what is God's requirement for us in that? What can we do? I'm going to give you scripture because I think it's important. Forgiveness is not necessarily reconciliation, but there is a scriptural precedent that God places upon us to do everything that we can by the grace of God within our own human strength to be able to try to resolve things. Listen to what Paul said. Paul said this. Paul says, if it is possible, watch this. If it is possible, as much as it depends upon you. In other words, we have to participate in this thing. Well, God, if you want the thing resolved, resolve. Well, God, if you wait, time out, time out. The onus comes real close to home. As much as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all men. Doesn't mean that every relationship is going to be reconciled. But in other words, I'm going to show you today, according to Scripture, according to the Bible, that we have a responsibility to do what we can. To, to do what we can not only to free our souls, but to create an environment where at least bitterness and forgiveness, unforgiveness is not in our soul. And we've provide, provided an atmosphere where reconciliation is possible. I don't want regret in my life. I don't want to come to the end of my life. I, don't, I, don't, I want to do what I can do by the grace of God to try to restore what I can do. And if I do what I can do, God does what only God can do. Now, having said that, I was thinking about this this week as I was putting this message together, really the last couple weeks. I was thinking about who in the Bible typifies an example where there's been family hurt, family pain. 
Again, we're talking about friendship pain, family pain. Remember, the guy that curses you out, you don't know what's wrong with them. The person that you know but you're not close with, man, what's wrong? The person in your house, what's wrong with me? And all of the challenges attached to all of that hurt and pain and unresolved issue. I could have used David, David who dealt with some rejection from his father when, when the prophet came down to anoint the next king of Israel. He wasn't even invited to the party. I could have used him. I thought about that. But then I thought about probably the classic example of somebody in the Bible that dealt with hurt and pain and rejection from their family, particularly their siblings. And yet, there are some things that this particular individual did so that their soul would not rot with bitterness and unforgiveness, and they really provide a template for us. I'm going to talk to you today about Joseph. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to Genesis chapter 37. Of course, if you're looking online, uh, you can read Scripture along with us. We put the notes and all that up on the thing as well, the Scripture. I want to talk to you today about Joseph because I believe he's an inspiration to us. He dealt with letdowns in his relationship. He dealt with disappointments. He dealt with pain. It's a very, very powerful biblical story. Genesis chapter 37 I'm going to jump in with verse 1. I'll give you context along the way. I'm talking today, but how do we get to the end of our lives and not have regret related to relational pain? To not have regret related to things that we didn't do to resolve things. And the lingering effects of unforgiveness and bitterness that still may, that still may linger in our souls. Genesis chapter 37, verse 1. The Bible says, Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. Verse 2. This is the history of Jacob. Remember, Jacob is one of the great patriarchs. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And he had sons. Now watch where one of his sons, one of his sons, all right? This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock. Joseph was one of Jacob's sons. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, You'll see the name Jacob, but often you'll see the name Israel. Israel actually is Jacob. The name Israel came out of the name, the man Jacob. It's interesting. It's very powerful. So this is the history of Jacob. Watch the flip here in a second. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And Joseph brought a bad report to them, a bad report of them to his father. Well, he was sensing something with his brothers. Now Israel, that's Jacob, all right? loved Joseph more than all of his children. Well, why is that? Matter of fact, I read this in the Life Journal, that my Bible reading plan, uh, this week. This in, we're in Genesis. Because, here's what the Scripture says, because he was the son of his old age. That's all the Scripture gives us. For some reason, this older man who had this boy, all right, who's now 17, he just loved him because he was the son of his old age. Because of that, he did something unique for Joseph that he didn't do for the others. And here's what it says. The Bible says, also he made, it, it made him a tunic of many colors or a coat of many colors. Verse 4. But when his brothers saw that, their father, that their father loved him more than all of his brothers, they hated him. They were jealous. Sibling rivalry. They were jealous. And they could not speak peaceably to him. Look at verse 5. Now Joseph had a dream. And he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So we see three things here. Number one, we see here that the Scripture is clear. The Scripture is clear 
that, that Jacob, Joseph's father, one of the great patriarchs, okay, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all these great men of God, this is a lineage here, that Jacob, he, he, he just favored this boy, all right? Number one. Number two, because of that, he practically gave him a coat, and Joseph would wear that coat around. I don't know what it looked like. They've got different biblical scholars that, that have drawn up pictures, and in children's books, you'll see the different coats. It doesn't give the exact dimensions, but it was a beautiful coat to the point that he would wear it, and it reminded the boys that the favor of his life, reminded Joseph's brothers. And then one night, one night Joseph has a dream. Now, here's the dream. I'm going to give you a real simplistic understanding. He, they have this sheaf, and it's kind of this wheat. He, 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 they saw that, that, that Joseph raised up this sheaf, and that his brothers that all represented the same picture, they, bade, they bowed down to that particular thing that was raised up. The interpretation that Joseph had of that dream was, wow, God is raising me up, and one day all of my brothers are going to work for me. Now, he said something, whether it was immature, part of God's sovereignty. Okay, look, the fact of the matter is he came to work the next day to say, hey, guys, guess what? I had a dream. It's crazy. To, what is it, Joseph? Y'all are all going to work for me one day. It's amazing. I'm getting the keys. Y'all going to be in the back seat? I'm the driver. Come on. Are y'all excited about that or not? The Bible says that his brothers were not happy at all about that. They were already jealous and they envied him. The Bible says in verse 19, then they said to one another, so they begin to plot in their minds, we've got to take him out. We can't allow this. We're going to take him out. Here it is. Then they said to one another, look, this dreamer, that's Joseph. He's coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him, cast him into some pit, and we shall say to our father, some wild beast has devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dream. Wow. So they take him, they throw him into a pit, and can you imagine Joseph looking up at his brothers and all of us like, yeah, we'll see what happens to your dream now. We'll see what happens. They dug this pit. And then one brother comes at the end and says, hey, time out, guys. Wait a minute, time out, time out. This is not right. We cannot do this. Here's another plan. Why don't we take a wild animal, kill the wild animal, put blood on Joseph's coat, make the coat, send the coat back to dad so that dad thinks at least the wild animal killed Joseph and let's sell, let's, let, we can't kill him. Let's just sell him. Let's sell him to the Midianite slave traders. They're going down to Egypt anyway. Here's what I found out. I want to just help everybody at all of our campuses. This is so important. Here's what I found out about God. Here's what's so important. Here's what's so interesting. When God's hand is upon your life, God will raise you up and no man can hold you down. Isn't that good news? Let me just tell you something. The story is so interesting. He goes down to Egypt. God's hand's upon his life. He ends up becoming this prominent person in Egypt. Now remember, he's not part of their culture. He didn't grow up there necessarily. He, 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 he arrived there as a 17-year-old teenage boy. But God's hand's upon his life. Then you have a very powerful man in Egypt. His wife tries to make a pass at Joseph. Joseph runs out the room. She lies about him, says that he tried to make a pass at her. He goes to jail, all right? God's hand's upon him. Remember, if God's hand's upon you, I want everybody to hear me at all of our campuses. If God's hand's upon you and you do the right thing, God will elevate you. No man can keep you down. 
Just know that in your family, in your work, do the right thing, God's favor. So next thing you know, he ends up running, running things again. Then he gets out. He interprets dreams. I mean, it's supernatural stuff. And here's a little caveat. In the Bible, it kept saying God was with him. God was with him. God's with it. When God's with you, favors on your life. Listen, as a born-again believer, you walk with God. God's with you. I'm telling you, God's hands upon your life. So now, Joseph had to make some choices. He had to make some choices. There was three choices that he makes because of this lingering pain. Even though he was successful, I've seen people highly successful, achieving great things, but the lingering relational pain, if you don't resolve the lingering relational pain. I'm telling you, it'll, it'll impact your future. Three choices that Joseph makes. Number one, here's the choice that he makes, and I'm going to talk about it. Number one, he chose to forgive. He chose to forgive. You're going to see that in just a moment. Why is forgiveness, Pastor, so important to God? Why, why is it so important? Matter of fact, Jesus tied forgiveness horizontally. He connects Vertical forgiveness, God forgiving us, Jesus, all right, this is Jesus. It's so important, it's so destructive when it's in our soul. Unforgiveness and bitterness is so destructive in our soul that, that, that Jesus himself correlated the, the, the connection between receiving vertical forgiveness and you extending and I extending horizontal forgiveness to our fellow man. Why is it so important? Look what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. This is all in the Bible, all right, this is so powerful. He says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. All right, how many of y'all want to be forgiven by God? Come on, raise your hand. All, okay, raise your hand. Now watch this. There's a caveat. There's an attachment to this, all right? Are you with me? But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you yours. Whoa, time out. I want to be forgiven by God. One day Peter, of course we love Peter, he's... he's Anything's possible with Peter. He just says things. You guys know that a lot of the teachings of Jesus and a lot of the things that he taught was correcting his disciples. His whole teaching on leadership was one of the disciples' mom came and said, hey, Jesus, look, why don't you put him next to you? My boys are pretty, you know, he's got, he's got it. My boy's got it. Jesus said, look, it's not mine to give. It's my Father in heaven. And then he begins to teach on leadership. He says, listen, the greatest among you is a servant. One of the things that Jesus did with Peter, Peter goes, hey, Jesus, listen, this guy wronged me. Now, I'm giving a little editorial license here, but stay with me, guys. Listen, listen, um, this guy wronged me, and let me tell you what I did. Watch this. This is Peter. Peter says this, Matthew chapter 18, then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. Up to seven times. How many of you know Peter probably forgave somebody seven times, and he's wanting a big kudos from Jesus? <laughs> hey, Jesus, seven times? Guys, watch. I've done it seven. <laughs> You know that guy that's been, I've said, watch, I'm getting ready to get points from Jesus. How many times? Jesus said, I did not say up to you seven times, Peter. Oh, but up to 70 times seven. Wow. You, you can almost hear the spiritual pride in Peter's voice and then the spiritual deflation. That's 490 times. Wow. Now, some of you right now, even in this message, your mind will begin to begin to think about different people. How do you know, Pastor, how do I know if I still have unforgiveness and bitterness towards somebody? You think about them and you have not nice feelings. Is that good English? I don't care. I'm not looking at my mom. Are y'all with me? <laughs> I can say whatever I want. <laughs> so you, you, you think about them, but you have, oof, just those feelings. 
Maybe you came to a church today and you've got an issue with somebody. Maybe it's, and, and, and maybe God will tell you to write it down about them so you can re reconcile. You can deal with You can at least forgive. You can do whatever you can do on your part. Paul said, as much as it depends upon you. Now, if it's your spouse or sitting next to you, don't write their name down. We don't need another challenge in church, okay. Pastor, who, who, do you, who do you need to forgive? Whoever the Holy Spirit brings to your mind. How do I practically forgive them? I practically make a decision. Everyone say, a decision. Colossians chapter 3. Watch where vertical and horizontal forgiveness are connected. I'm talking about living a life of no regrets. Some of us are so weighted down by our unforgiveness. And we wonder why. We wonder why it's hard to run in confidence for. Why? Because you're weighted down with sandbags. Your soul's not free. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against you, even as Christ forgave you, you must do. See the connection? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Let me give you what forgiveness is, and let me give you what forgiveness is not. I did a little graph. I put it up. Forgiveness is a choice. Well, pastor, I'll forgive them when I feel like it. You won't. Are you all with me? You'll never come to a point where you feel warm feelings and want to forgive the person. You make a choice. You have the power to choose. You're made in the image of God. And listen, the Bible says every day before you, there's death and life. Choose life. You have the power to choose. God won't make you choose, by the way. Forgiveness is a choice, an act of one's will. Forgiveness is not a feeling. By the way, good feelings come often after we make the choice to forgive. Forgiveness is based upon God's forgiveness of us. Forgiveness is not based upon what is fair. Whoa. Let's not talk about what's fair, all right? It wasn't fair. Listen, what we did to Christ, it wasn't fair, how, but, but God forgave us. Now, this is very important. I don't want anybody to miss this. This is so important. Our Baton Rouge campus, our Gulf Coast, our Metairie, those at Calvary Chapel, everybody needs to tie into what this is. I'm going to say a very important statement, all right? This is very important. And preachers need to do this because there's a qualification. Here it is. Forgiveness is possible with only one party. Forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. Forgiveness opens the door for reconciliation, but forgiveness is not exactly reconciliation. In other words, you can forgive somebody, watch this, you can forgive somebody regardless of their position, regardless of their decision. As a matter of fact, you can forgive somebody that may have hurt you, listen, that may not even be living anymore. Well, how is reconciliation possible there? We think that reconciliation is forgiveness. Forgiveness is I choose. Everyone say, I choose. I choose to release them from the injustice and the wrong they committed to me, and I commit them to God. But let me say one other thing. Forgiveness does not mean that we don't have boundaries with those that have hurt us doesn't mean that at all. It's appropriate to have healthy boundaries. Some of you guys have heard this story, and I think it's important. You know, my mom and my stepdad, my stepdad go to church. My dad raised me, and, but my blood father was an alcoholic. And we had good times, at, but, but, but he, when he would drink, he would say things that were very, very painful. When he would get drunk, words that would cut, and, 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 there were some things that he said to me and about me that were very, very painful. I remember I was a junior in college, 
And it was a Mardi Gras break, and I got in a car, and I drove by myself to Dallas, Texas, and I went to a conference on, on, on kind of inner healing and just pains and all this family stuff. And I remember listening. I remember listening to the preachers because what I realized was my soul was beginning to be eaten away by unforgiveness and bitterness towards him and what he said about me. And I realized this. I realized this is that forgiveness was a choice. And that's where some of you are today. You have to make a choice. Now, was there reconciliation? There was a level of reconciliation, but I had to have, I, I had to have boundaries up. I'm not going to expose myself where I'm going to have vulgar things said about me by a drunk person like that. Are you with me? So painful. So forgiveness, you can forgive somebody but still have healthy boundaries with them. Does this make sense? Now, I want to say this. There was a choice I had to make. I was right in the sense that he was wrong, but I still had to forgive him and release him from his wrong towards me and commit him to God. Wow. Everybody say, forgiveness is a choice. I don't want to get to the end of my life and have regret attached to broken, bitter, unforgiveness things in my heart. I don't want that. Number two, the second thing that I see, stay with me. I've got six or seven minutes. I need everybody to key in. It's very, very important. So I choose to forgive. Number two, I choose to pray. What does prayer do? Prayer gives us a proper perspective on the situation. It also helps us process the pain. It also gives us, it connects us with God's grace to empower us to walk through the painful process. So here's what happens. Joseph's brothers, God raises up Joseph. He ends up becoming number two in charge. Watch this. This is amazing. He ends up becoming number two in Egypt, all right? It's like the vice president of all Egypt. But guess what his job is? He's over the grain distribution. Guess what happens to Joseph's brothers in Canaan? Guess what happens? There's a famine in the land, and guess what they need? Food. Guess what they found out? The only place that has food is Egypt. So they come down to Egypt, and they get in the food line. Little do they know. Little do they know that Joseph is in charge. They didn't recognize him, but Joseph recognized him. Number one, visibly he recognized him. Number two, he heard them talking in a different dialect. Wow. And here it is. The brothers get in line, and they stand before Joseph. What's Joseph going to do? He could have squished him right there. He could have taken him out. Oh, man, he could have big time. could have just starved him. They would have starved. Their whole lineage, their whole lineage would have been over. Genesis chapter 45, verse 4. They're in the bread line. Joseph's before them. And he says, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold to Egypt. Can you imagine what they thought when they figured that out? Can you imagine that? I'm, I'm the one you sold. The last time I saw you and you saw me, you were looking at me, and I was in the bottom of a pit, and you were screaming at me saying that, that, I, that I was the dreamer and that that dream, do you, I remember that. But now you do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve my life. Can I tell you something? One of the greatest perspectives of understanding God's sovereignty is when you understand even the horrible, horrific things that people have done to you. I never said God caused it, but here's what I do believe. I believe that God can use it and turn it around where you can actually be positioned in your life to help the very people that hurt you.
For these two years the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing or harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and save your lives by a great deliverance. What an amazing perspective. It's like Jesus on the cross, Father, forgive them. By the way, all of the disciples of Jesus, all of them except John, Judas betrayed Jesus for money, but the other ones left him at the cross. Only John was there. Who do you think that John, when, when Jesus was the Father, forgive them? I believe that he was speaking globally to the world, but I also believe that he was speaking specifically to his disciples that should have been there with him in his pain. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgiveness. So powerful. What do you pray? What do you pray for people? Number one, everybody say, I choose to forgive. So you forgive those that have hurt you. Number two, say, I choose to pray. Well, what do you pray for those that have hurt you? What do you pray? Well, Pastor, I'll pray fire comes down. No, hold on. <laughs> I know what some of y'all think. I'll pray the whole judgment thing. Time out, time out. <laughs> How about pray for God to heal their hurt? Here's what I found out. Most people are engaged in bumper cars. The reason why they hit you is somebody else bumped them. And they didn't know how to steer their ship, steer their car, and their bump. They were hurt. They, let me tell you something. Hurt, hurt people hurt people. So God, heal their hurt. Heal their hurt. God, what happened in their life and what, 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 what took place in their life. We don't, know, we don't know all the stuff that took place in their life. Number two, pray that they cry out for forgiveness themselves. God, that Lord, pray God would heal them. Pray, pray God would touch them. My blood father, he was an orphan. He grew up in an orphanage. The guy was abused his whole entire life. I'm not making an excuse for him. What I am suggesting is that, that he, and by the way, he got born again right at the end of his life. A gloriously born again. But here's the point. Here's the point. Let's pray that God heals those that hurt us. Number one, we forgive them, which then creates an opportunity for us to be able to pray for them, for God to intervene in their lives. I believe that we become conduits, part of that prayer life of that individual, praying for that individual. Number three, so everybody say, I choose to forgive. Say, I choose to pray for them. Let me give you the third. I choose to bless, and I'll close. We bless those who have hurt us. Look at what Paul goes on to say in Romans chapter 12, verse 19. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Whoa. Do not, become, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Look at what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6. Same principle here. But I say to you, watch this, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless, everyone say bless. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Why? It's, it's, it's wise to do that. Why? Because it frees your soul. And I want to say this. Some of you have been, you've been, you've been held down for so long because you've not forgiven them, because you've not prayed for them, and because you've not blessed them. And because you've not done that, you still stay tethered to the past. They've gone on with their life, by the way. But you're still, you're still, you still have these rattlesnakes all around you and, 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 and just popping you. Joseph had an opportunity. Let me just tell you something, and I'll close with this. One of the greatest things you can do, number one, you choose to forgive. Number two, you choose to pray. But when you choose to practically bless those that have hurt you, 
Genesis 50, last scripture. But as for you, you meant it for evil against me. You tried to hurt me. But God meant it for good. Let me just say, I'll say it again. God can reposition this whole thing. Your family members that made fun of you became, you became a Christian because you wanted to do the right thing? Because you love God? You get cancer and you get in a hospital. I don't want that to happen to anybody. But let me tell you, they're going to call you. And you can come back in the grace of God. Don't say, well, I'm not praying for them. No, you come back and say, man, I love you. I'll pray for you. They have a situation with one of their kids. I'm just, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you how, how, how this thing comes back around. If you keep a right heart, great spirit. You get bitter, God can't use that. But as for you, you meant evil against me. But God, God meant it for good. In order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them. What did he do? He gave them food. There's been people in my life say, Pastor, you ever go through this? Of course I do. I still do. So, Pastor, man, I people say things. I mean, anybody that has any public platform at all, you get comments. Y'all do realize that. You make some of them. But anyway, and you have to deal with it. You have to, you have to, you have to make a decision. I have to make a decision. There's, there were two particular people in my life, in my past, that really, outside of my family, that really hurt me. And I remember, I remember, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forgive them. And, I'm gonna, and I, I sent them a gift. I, I had to do something practically. Now, if I send you a gift, I'll say, oh, pastor was bitter with me? I mean, I don't, I don't say, okay, don't, don't read it. i got to qualify everything I say. Y'all realize that, <laughs> okay? But I did send them something, and something inside, there was a release. There was a release. I don't know what you have to do. Maybe it's an email. Maybe it's a sit down for coffee. Maybe black, just, but I'm going to tell you. Holy Spirit will speak to you. But you'll have an opportunity. You'll have an opportunity. Everyone say, I choose to, I choose to forgive. Say, I choose to pray. Say, I choose to bless. Let me, let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are healing hearts. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward right now. We're going to end this just a little bit different than we usually do. And, and uh, matter of fact, I'm going to ask all, everyone to stand. I'm going to do that today. Maybe this message is something that's touched your heart, where there's some hurt in your heart. Look, hey man, no condemnation. We, we, I believe the Holy Spirit has brought it up to, to heal you. We're going to be, a, it's going to be a little bit different today. I, I'm going to pray a blessing to release everybody in just a moment. But our altar is going to be open for as long as you need prayer. Of course, we have another service in 45 minutes, but I just want to pray. Father, I thank you that you're healing people's hearts. Maybe you brought up in their mind, Spirit of God, maybe there's a person, there's a, and you said, man, I realize that I need to forgive them. And maybe some of you this week, you need to, again, kick up your prayer for them, or maybe write an email, a text, a call, go show up at their house, I don't know, whatever it is, God will lead you. Maybe it is buy something for them. And here's what I know, here's what I know, here's what I know. God wants your soul free. Forgiveness is not necessarily reconciliation, but forgiveness is a start. It is the foundation. I release them. Yeah, yeah. Lord, I bless your people as they go forth this day. May the grace of God be upon them. Lord, as we study this week in our small groups about the power of release and the power of forgiveness, Lord, I pray that as we read in the devotionals and the journals this week, Lord, heal, heal people. Heal hearts, God. 
we don't want to live with regrets. As much as it depends upon us, we're going to do our part. We're going to do our part to release and forgive. Lord, bless your people. In Jesus' name.